What's going on, Hardliners? Welcome to His Hardline for another episode of 1% with Him. Remember, every day we need to spend at least minimum 15 minutes with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Dig a little bit in the Bible and spend a little time in prayer, you know what I mean? If you can't do that, just join us here at His Heartline. We'll get it done. Drop. And don't forget to check out our website, www.hisheartline.com. We're happy to have you. Let's get started. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you're at in the world. I am Jason, your co-host with God and Jesus Christ at my side because they are the host. They are the ones in charge and they're the ones at the wheel. Therefore, they're the ones that are steering this ship through these crazy chaotic waters that we call life. So welcome. Glad to have you all here. You are joined here at His Heart Line with another episode of 1% with him. And we're going to be doing the reading out of the book of Isaiah, chapter 5, verses 1 through 30. And so... What we're going to be reading about is the parable of the vineyard, as well as woes for the wicked. And so forgive me if I sound a little bit sped up right now. Today has been another day, another long day, and it extended out to about 13 and a half hours and come home to World War Three between my wife and daughter. So it's just been uh, it's been a day, but it's a good day. It's always a good day if we're still breathing. So anyways, anybody that's in the West Michigan area or, you know, even Central Michigan, if you feel like driving and you have a long weekend ahead of you, um, come out to Don Luis uh, Mexican Restaurant there on the north end of Grand Haven, just on the other side of the bridge off of 31, Don Luis. Uh, Donna Brandenburg, candidate running for governor of Michigan, will be there today from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. So come check that out. There is also one other message for anyone that's on the lakeshore here, West Michigan. I promised I would get this out. I hope I did not delete it. Oh, my gosh, I think I did. Crap. Well, crap. Never mind. Just kidding. So I'll have to apologize to Chrissy for that one. Well, it was kind of last minute. She said she should have gave that to me yesterday because the events today and a lot of people that listen to this are from all over the world and all over the country. And probably only a couple people that might hear that would probably, you know, take, you know, take heed to that and be like, oh, OK, I'll go. Um but anyway, so there you go. So I don't have a lot leading up to the reading because, like I said, um, got a lot to do. I only have one day off tomorrow and I have a whole lot of things to get done. Still got a couple projects to work on. I got to get done with this podcast because 5 p.m. our time. So it's about an hour and eight minutes from now. I got to get on um, on my way to uh, Donna Brandenburg's event here. So, again, forgive me for being a little sped up. Hi, Rita. See you on here. Ooh, you had to get a jacket today in California. Really? Hmm. It's probably just like a windbreaker. It ain't that cold out there. <laughs> okay, let's get on. the. For anybody that's new, by the way, I just want to let everybody know. I'm not like a typical podcaster. Okay, I like to interact with people because I'm an interaction kind of guy. It kind of brings me, it brings me back to when I used to DJ. I loved interacting with people. I love talking with people. I like you know, having a, a, a dialogue with people. Um, 
it just brings a more of a personal touch, I think. You know, um, I get it. You know, it, it, this is kind of like my version of a way, in a way, of taking calls without taking calls because clearly Podbean won't let me do that because I can't get Ron on here. But I like reading your guys' comments. Some of them, obviously, I miss, and some of them I don't get across. But I typically try to read some of them if they're if they're pretty worthy. It's kind of it should be like a challenge to you. I wonder if I could get Jason to say this. Like, what can we get Jason to say on the air? Let's see if he'll read mine. It would be a game for me if it was if it was if I was on the other end of that. That's how I. That's how my mind works. Anyway, okay, so we're gonna start off with chapter five. There's thirty verses here. We're going to start with um, talking about the parable of the vineyard. And just so you know, I just want to let you know, um, I've been bouncing around getting different um, devotionals and commentary for each chapter from different um, sites. I was referencing BibleRef.com for a while, and I still use it, but I, I like to switch it up a little bit. And I, I, and I haven't put this website in the notes because I keep forgetting, honestly. But this one, after we do the reading here, um, there's a website and I'm going to put it in the show notes. So if somebody wanted to reference it and look back on it and reflect on it, you can click on the link, but this is, um, it's Melissa M E L I S S A B A, excuse me, B E A T Y.com, Melissa And I think she does an outstanding job with her commentary and her devotional. I absolutely love it. See, I bought a devotional book from Barnes and Noble, but it wasn't nearly enough what I wanted to have, you know, when I, you know, did these podcasts. And Lord knows that my interpretation would suck so bad if I tried doing my own devotional. You guys would completely fall off the face of the earth here and drop this podcast. Like, this guy sucks. I could not come up with my own devotional. But I do like reading from other people's. And I always try to make sure I reference where I'm reading from. And then, of course, I will add my own, you know, commentary, you know, as I see fit and as the, you know, Holy Spirit guides me on. Or, or maybe something I'll read sparks something in my life, uh, maybe a story that I've reflected on that I may you know, want to share with you guys. So it's a combination of a lot of things. Bible, um, other people's commentary, which I absolutely love reading, and then, of course, some of my own experiences and stories. So, so we're going to get rocking and rolling, starting with verse 1, chapter 5 here. And it says, Let me sing now for my well-beloved a song of my beloved concerning his vineyard. Got to turn the page. My well-beloved had a vineyard on a fertile hill. He dug it all around, removed its stones, and planted it with the choicest vine. And he built a tower in the middle of it and also hewed out a wine vat in it that he expected it to produce good grapes. But it only produced, on, excuse me, but it produced only worthless ones. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? Why, when I expected it to produce good grapes, did it produce worthless ones? So now let me tell you, what am I going to do to my vineyard? I will remove its hedges and it will be consumed. I will break down its walls and it will become trampled ground. I will lay it to waste. It will not be pruned or hoed, but briars and thorns will come up. I will also charge the clouds to rain, no rain on it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah his delightful plant. Thus he looked for justice, but behold bloodshed, for righteousness, but behold a cry of distress. 
So let's let's break this up in a couple pieces here for a second. So, well, no, let's not do that because I will end up getting myself lost. We're not going to do that. We're going to continue now with the next section, um, starting with verse 8. Woes for the wicked. And it reads, <clears throat> excuse me, after I cough. Woe to those who add house to house and join field to field. Until there is no more room so that you have to live alone in the midst of the land. In my ears, the Lord of hosts has sworn, surely many houses shall become desolate, even great and fine ones without occupations, for ten acres of vineyard will yield only one bath of vine, and a homer of seed will yield but an epha of grain. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right. Woe to those who rise early in the morning that they may pursue strong drink, who stay up late in the evening that wine may inflame them. Their banquets are accompanied by lyre and harp, by tambourine and flute and by wine, but they do not pay attention to the deeds of the Lord, nor do they consider the work of his hands. Therefore, my people go into exile for their lack of knowledge and their honorable men are famished. And their multitude is parched with thirst. Therefore, Sheol has enlarged its throat and opened its mouth without measure. And Jerusalem's splendor, her multitude, her din of revelry, and the jubilant within her descended into it. So the common man will be humbled and the man of importance abased. The eyes of the proud also will be abased. But the Lord of hosts will be exalted in judgment and the holy God will show himself holy in righteousness. Then the lambs will graze as in their pasture, and strangers will eat in the waste places of the wealthy. Woe to those who drag iniquity with the cords of falsehood, and sin as if with cart ropes, who say, Let him make speed, let him hasten his work, that we may see it, and let the purpose of the Holy One of Israel draw near, and come to pass that we may know it. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Woe to those who are heroes in drinking wine and valiant men in mixing strong drinks who justify the wicked for a bribe. And take away the rights of the ones who are in the right. Therefore, as a tongue of fire consumes stubble, and dry grass collapses into the flame, so their root will become like rot, and their blossom blow away as dust. For they have rejected the law of the Lord of hosts, and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. On this account, the anger of the Lord has burned against his people, and he has stretched out his hand against them and struck them down. And the mountains quaked, and their corpse lay like refuse in the middle of the streets. For all this his anger is not spent, but his hand is still stretched out. He will also lift up a standard to the distant nation and will whistle for it from the ends of the earth. And behold, it will come with speed swiftly. No one in its weary or stumbles, none slumbers or sleeps, nor is the belt at its waist undone, nor its sandals strap broken. Its arrows are sharp and all its bows are bent. The hoofs of its horses seem like flint and its chariot wheels like a whirlwind. 
Its roaring is like a lioness, and it roars like young lions. It growls as it seizes the prey and carries it off with no one to deliver, and it will grow over it in that day like the roaring of the sea. If one looks to the land, behold, there is darkness and distress. Even the light is darkened by its clouds. Wow. That does not sound like a good time. That sounds like a terrible time. Mm, There's a lot there. So let's talk about this for a little bit. So if you see a vineyard, the grapevines are encouraged to grow upward to a rope or support beam, right? So then the branches spread out along the support, you know, to, you know, the support to bear fruit and wild fruit on the other hand has to support itself and grows however it's able. And so it's unruly and sprawled about every which way. So God is the true vine. He gives us the means to grow upward into a sturdy support where we can bear fruit and spread our wings. But so many people like the Israelites of Isaiah's time included rejected God's way and tried to grow however they pleased. The result is wild fruit. So if we want to be healthy, grounded, and well-supported, well, we need to stay on God's structure. Makes sense. I like that. Makes perfect sense. Now, as far as evil to do good, you've heard the expression that two wrongs don't make a right. We've all heard that, and that's absolutely true. And so what do we make of the end of this chapter where God says he will strengthen an invading army to destroy his people? Now, this portion of scripture is one of the many examples where God uses an ungodly king to do his will. Now, 1 Kings 17, 1 through 23 describes God using the king of Assyria to come and take captive Samaria because of their sins. And God is not endorsing the actions of the kings on a moral level. Instead, he is allowing these kings to commit evil acts that is people against his people as a form of punishment. And so when they have fulfilled their purpose, God will punish them for their own sins. Hmm. That's just sweet justice there. I mean, Jesus said himself, unto whomever, whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required, and to whom men have committed much of him, they will ask the more. Luke 12, 48. And so God raises up kings and gives them strength, power, military might, but What they do with it is their responsibility, and God will require at their hand the consequences of their choices. This is why I was saying yesterday, ladies and gentlemen, when it came to this whole, um, you know, this pandemic amnesty where these people that were, you know, mask face diaper dictators and jab force enforcers, right? And people that wanted to keep our family, other family members away from our, you know, certain family because we weren't vaxxed. I won't forget what what took place, but I will forgive. Because again, if I don't forgive those who basically trespassed against my life or tried to trespass against my life, right? If I don't extend that same level of forgiveness, that same standard, what makes you think God won't deliver that same standard to me? Right? I don't want to be held to the same standard that I'm delivering to my fellow man. So, because if I deliver the same standard that I am, I am uh, putting out there for myself, well, I'm not going to forgive him. Screw that guy. That lady yesterday when I was at the health place doing my drug test. 
I could have easily said, you know what? No, screw you. And no, I don't forgive you. You're a terrible person. Well, how's that going to reflect on me when I finally meet God face to face? And then he asks and searches my heart and wants to see if it reflected that of his son. He's going to see a lot of uh, shattered glass because it's not going to make a perfect reflection back. I promise you if I did that. And so we want to be very, very careful that we choose wisely with what we do with the responsibility that's given to us. So <clears throat> God is not endorsing the actions of evil kings. Let's be clear. And so as we continue on in Isaiah, he punishes each of these kingdoms that destroys Israel. And so God has this great ability to take what's sinful and wicked and just plain flat out evil and he finds some way to turn it around and create good we always know that's what he does he always takes evil and uses it for his good purposes much like the terrible life that i led as a dj living a terrible life promiscuous and smoking weed and drinking and carrying on and pursuing sins of the flesh yada 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 he took what i used to do for eight and a half years as a dj by engaging with people and entertaining them. And here he puts me up here behind this mic doing this podcast, reading his word. I mean, how amazing is that? He took what was used for evil, because let's be fair, what I did do was to a level, to a pretty large degree, was pretty evil. I played a lot of bad music that had a lot of bad subliminal messaging and direct messaging of drug usage and alcoholism and promiscuity and FAB and do this and, you know, you know, violence. I mean, you know what I mean? So by me playing all this music to hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people, do you think I'm doing any souls any favor by playing any of that? No, I'm not. Yeah, but Jason, you didn't really know at the time. You're right. I wasn't really cognizant. I wasn't really, what do you want to say? Fully aware of what I was doing. Like I, I was aware that what I was, my actions were terrible. I was aware that the music I was listening to wasn't the greatest. But of course, I didn't care at that time. Well, now I care. And I'm trying to write that ship. And so just as Joseph was thrown into a hole in the desert by his own brothers and sold into slavery, but in the end of that, elevated to the second in command of Egypt, if we remember the story right, where he was able to save countless lives through his preparations for the great famine. Remember that story? And then he later told his brothers, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. That was Genesis 50, 20. And so we find that God has and will use the evil intent of evading armies to perform the good task of purging Israel from sin and refining Israel to those who have faith in God. And so basically, simply put, people seek God in times of trouble, it seems. And so the farther that you're away from him, the bigger the trouble has to be before you turn to him. You see, you see the problem here? We should never get so far from God that we have to be invaded and squashed to a pulp of, you know, in our own country before we seek him. And that seems to be the general consensus with a lot of people. They wait till things get so bad. They wait till they hit bankruptcy. They wait till their car is repossessed. They wait till they lose their job. They wait till a divorce is about ready to happen. They wait till X, Y, Z, right? Name, you name it, name, name the crisis, you name it. People wait to those points of breaking. Before they turn to God. The thing is, 
you wouldn't reach these points of breaking if you would actually keep God near you at all times through thick and thin, just like in a marriage. When you when you when you make a vow to, you know, to through, you know, through sickness and, and health and, you know, death and do, you know, do, boy, I can't even speak today. Right. <clears throat> but you know what I'm saying? You don't just love your spouse only through good times. Or, or act better as a spouse, I should say, during bad times. You should act good all the time, not better during times of bad. And that's basically what you're doing with God. You, 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 you separate yourself, whether knowingly or unknowingly. You just go about life doing your own thing, and then all of a sudden, the tough, you know, the the, the the tough gets going, and then all of a sudden, you're like, oh God, please, please, please help me, help me. And you're making these prayers. You're sending these prayers up as if they're wishes from a magic genie. Please help fix my situation. That's not how that works. That's not how that works. Think about it if as a parent, all right, which God is a parent to all of us, but think about it as a parent. I know most of you that listen to this, either a parent or grandparent or both, whatever. If my daughter veered away from me so much all the time and didn't show me any affection or respect as a father, right? Nothing. But then when she wanted something, because all of a sudden some something happened in her life or right, or let's just say maybe there, there was no crisis. Maybe she just didn't have enough money to go do something. Now, this whole time she's been straying away from me, not listening to me, not taking my parenting or guidance or anything like that. Don't show me respect. Even though I was trying to show her respect. Then all of a sudden she comes to me, Dad, hey, I need, I need, I need money. For what? Well, because I want to go have fun and I don't have enough. Okay. Am I going to be inclined to give her some money? Now, I guess it depends on the person, right? It depends on the man or woman that <clears throat> everybody's different. But me personally, I'm not going to be inclined to give her anything if she's been like that to me or her mother for that matter. Why should I give you something when you've been disrespectful to me this whole time? You don't think God doesn't have those same reservations, those same, you know, I guess the same logic? Why should I answer your prayer, Jason, when you stayed away from me and did not give me the due gratitude for your good health, for your wonderful marriage, for a beautiful home, for those two cars in your garage, this wonderful job that supports all of that. Why should I answer this prayer for you? You stayed away from me this whole time. Now, now, now I'm your God. You see how that works? It doesn't work very well. It's not to say God doesn't love us. It's not to say God wouldn't do anything for us. But we have to be willing to always accept Christ in our heart. Always be willing to give gratitude on a daily basis to God. That's why I encourage a daily gratitude journal. Because even if it's only two sentences, right? You don't have to spend a whole lot of time, especially if you don't feel like writing, because everybody's got different moods and different days. But grab a cheap journal or maybe something with a nice cover on it, something with Bible scripture or a cross. I don't know, something that is sentimental to you and you write a few things you're th grateful for this is again and i've said this before i'm going to keep repeating it until you guys start doing it every morning when i get my journal i say good morning god or excuse me good morning heavenly father thank you for another day of life and good health for myself my wife and my daughter that without fail that's always the first thing and sometimes the only thing that i write down because i just don't feel like writing some days 
we always have to be in a close proximity to God. Does that make sense? We always have to be in close proximity to God. Because then when that time comes where a hammer drops and we get some crazy crisis, do you think God's going to be more inclined to helping us in that moment of crisis because we stayed near to him this whole time through all the good times? And then all of a sudden a bad time happens. I'd be willing to bet that, you know what, I think he's going to help us out a little bit more in that case because we stayed close to him. This is my own assessment. This is my own opinion. This is not to say that it's fact because, again, I, I don't know God you know, on a one-on-one basis. I mean, we talk and I'm pretty sure he sends the Holy Spirit to say things to me, but you know, it's not like I am the expert on God and what he does or doesn't do. It's obviously that's not the case, but if I put it into perspective of myself being a father and then I put myself in the perspective of my daughter and if my daughter treated me a certain way and stayed away from me and did not show me respect and did not thank me for giving her a home to live in and giving her good clothing to keep her warm, right? All these things, her toys. And then all of a sudden she wants something. Am I as a parent going to want to be inclined to give her this, that, and the other and fulfill her wish, prayer, whatever, right? Not so much if she's being naughty. Yeah, but Jason, you're immortal and God is, you know, divine. Yes, you're very right. However, the logic still doesn't change. God is divine, therefore God can do whatever he wants. And I'm not going to rely on my own understanding because the Bible is very clear on that. But what I will say is I don't think the logic would change with God from us. Does that make sense? Yeah, God is divine and I'm just a mere mortal with just breath that comes through my nostril. But I have to imagine that the logic has to remain I would say, pretty consistent. Yes, God could do anything he wants, but God also wants us with our free will to praise and glorify him and say, thank you, God, for this day of life. Thank you for giving me breath in my lungs. Thank you for electricity to allow me to plug in this computer and microphone so I could spread the word of God in far reaches of the earth that I have never even visited. Thank you for that. Thank you for this smartphone, a.k.a. dumb phone. Thank you for a dictionary to expand my vocabulary and learn. Thank you. I hope this makes sense. And might I remind some people that might be new to this podcast, I am not a deacon, I'm not a priest, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a, you know, not a biblical expert or, you know, a biblical scholar. I'm a truck driver who hauls gas and ethanol, which we call booze in the gas world. So if you ever hear me say, yeah, I had a load of booze, that means it's ethanol, which pretty much is booze, but with a little teeny tiny bit of out-of-spec gas, 2% of out-of-spec gasoline, because then it can't be taxed as alcohol. Little, little, little sidebar and tidbit for the day that you probably didn't know, some useless piece of trivia you can take with you. Yeah, ethanol is predominantly alcohol. With 2% of out-of-spec gasoline called denaturant, and he put it in there so it's not consumable, and it's not taxed like alcohol. So in case you wanted to know that, you'll never need that knowledge. So <laughs> so anyway, that, that's, that's basically about all I got for you today, guys. Like I said, I do apologize for making this kind of a fairly quick podcast, which isn't so quick. I mean, we're almost approaching a half hour, so it's pretty solid. 
like I said, it is 1% after all with him and 1% of our time in a 24 hour day is well, 15 minutes. So we damn near doubled that. We're almost at 2% with him. We should start naming the show 2% with him. Then next, you know, we're going to be going an hour. Then I'm going to name it 4%. Next, you know, we're going to be like 100% with him. What, Jason? We're reading the Bible 24 hours a day? Dude, we got to sleep. Yes, I know. All right. <clears throat> That'd be a lot of work. Uh, God would be like, you know what, Jason? Dude, I appreciate your devotion. But, dude, you got to get some sleep. <laughs> Okay. What's going on? Oh, no, no, no. Wrong, wrong song. Wrong song. Ah, all right. That's what I need right there. Piano prayer. All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another day of life and good health. This should never be new news to you. I'm always going to be thankful for that because without our good health, we have nothing else. We can't go to work. We can't enjoy our family. We can't go to the beach. We can't go out to a restaurant and sit if we don't have good health, right? We can't help others, forget about stuff for ourselves. We can't help others if we don't have good health. So we thank you for that new day and our good health. We really do appreciate it. Thank you for all the many things that we often use in our life that we take for granted. We don't think about being thankful for them. Cars, the ability to walk on two legs, having socks to keep our feet dry and warm in our shoes. The shoes itself. Clean water. We thank you for all these things. So many things, there's not enough to list. There's not enough paper to write them all down. But we thank you for all of these. And we pray for our enemies. We pray that they eventually see what they're doing is wrong and start following your ways and realizing that your way is the only way and that you're, you know, having your son in their heart is the only way to be for true salvation. We pray all this in your Holy Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Oh, and you know what? As a PS, when we get into next week for the voting, no matter how it shakes out, I just pray that all the states, including California and Michigan, have these proposals to be extreme and kill babies out of the womb after pregnancy, after birth, and still consider it an abortion. We pray that all these all these propositions that are very extreme and pretty much feed Satan's little dreams. We just pray that they don't get fulfilled. We pray that these people don't vote for them. So we pray all this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. And so that is all I got for you guys today. I am going to go get my stinky butt in the shower because I spent 13 hours in a truck hauling fuel. I smell like gas. I smell like diesel. I need to brush my teeth. I'm just ranky, ucky, 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 as I say. I call it ucky potatoes. I smell like ucky potatoes. Anyway, it's probably TMI. You guys are like, man, Jason, Jason might have some hygiene issues over there. No, no, just a dude. It works a lot. <laughs> All right. I hope you have a blessed day or night wherever you're at in the world. And don't forget, tomorrow morning, 8 a.m., we will be having the Brandenburg Block Hour. It's the last Friday. We'll be having a Brandenburg block hour as a candidate for governor. Hopefully, come the following Friday, we will have her on as the governor of Michigan. We will see. We will see. Time will tell. I hope you have a blessed day or night wherever you're at in the world. And we'll be back here tomorrow for a Brandenburg block hour as well as a 1% with him. 
God bless, ladies and gentlemen. Bye-bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the day. Thank you for joining us here at His Heart Line. Remember, we need to spend at least 15 minutes each day with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is literally 1% of our time on a daily basis. Spend a little time in the Bible. Spend some time in prayer. And you'd be amazed what Jesus will do to you. Drop. out our website www.hishardline.com for all the latest updates.